Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and this is the second of three special episodes we're sharing in the lead up to Engage 2022. Engage is, of course, the IAB's flagship event, which returns in real life next week from a two-year pandemic-induced hiatus. You can expect a full morning of back-to-back, all-killer, no-filler sessions, each just 10 minutes long and getting into themes like the neuroscientific impact of sound on our brain, how AR is driving sustainability and how distinct communities online have been built and grown over the last 18 months. In curating this agenda, our intention has always been for you to leave the Londoner in Leicester Square smarter than when you walked in, proud of the industry you work in and buzzing with optimism about the future of the internet and the advertising that funds it. So for these special episodes, I've picked out a handful of my favourite ever engaged sessions. A conversation with Stacey Dooley, a pre-Dragon's Den Stephen Bartlett and possibly the best thing to ever come out of a lockdown, aside from the vaccine, the Ken Fors listening party, an audio goggle box come DVD director's commentary, where the stars of the greatest swindle in advertising event history rewatch the infamous session from the Barbican together again for the very first time. And today, it's the turn of Stephen Bartlett before he started interviewing the likes of Matt Hancock and investing in artisan cheese retailers. I'd seen Steve present at a client event a few years before and thought the whole social chain story was pretty phenomenal and that it would be hugely relevant to the engaged audience. What's more, he was only 25 at the time that he was presenting this. So not only was he one of the youngest speakers at Engage, but also one of the most compelling. And it's no surprise that he's gone on to do exactly what he's doing now. Enjoy this one. What do you mean you've been expelled from school? I told you to stop running those businesses and focus on your A-levels. And with that, my mum hung up the phone. One year later, You're incapable of sticking at anything you don't enjoy and you always think you can find a better way. Don't call me and don't call the family until you go back to university. And with that, my mum hung up the phone. But she knew I was going to do it anyway. At age 18, I was going to drop out of university after just the one lecture in the pursuit of this idea I had to bring physical student notice boards to the internet. I thought it was crazy that in 2011, we still used physical notice boards to communicate. And so after three years of blood, sweat and tears and building a team and raising investment, I found myself in a predicament that most of you as marketeers will find yourself in every day. I had a product and I needed to reach probably millions of people to proof that this was a success. And so I contacted every single person that told me they were going to sign up. I contacted all my friends, my family, everyone I'd met in every meeting in the lead up to the launch, and I told them Woolpark, my website, was now live. And nobody came. Nobody came. Three years of blood, sweat and tears, I launched and nobody came. And that's when I learned my first real guiding lesson of marketing, which is to never fall into the dangerous trap of believing that anybody 
inherently cares about you, especially as much as you care about you. I thought because I'd built something that I thought was wonderful that people would just come. But the world is a different place, right? People are busy, they're late for stuff, it's raining outside, they've got a flat tire, they're having arguments with their partners. So when I pop up telling you to come check me out, I'm not surprised nobody came. Nobody cares about you. Let that hurt your feelings. Because if you do, and when I did, I started to create from a different place. If you create from within the bubble, within your own sort of deluded bubble that people understand your world and your product and they, they think you're special too, you often end up creating things that lead to indifference. And that's the worst effect we can hope to create as marketeers. And so I spent the next couple of months reading about what people do in marketing for students. And the answer was flyers, posters. I tried that. Nobody came. I heard that young people's attention spans had dwindled, so I made them more concise. I tried that. Nobody came. And one day I paid attention to what was happening when I was handing out my flyers. People were walking past me glued to the palm of their hands. So I went to Domino's Pizza, 100 pizza vouchers for free pizza, gave them out on campus in exchange for a screenshot of the setting section in your phone, which tells me where you're spending your time. And the answer was clear. It's obvious now, but it wasn't back then. The answer was social media. I thought if I can build as much real estate on social media, then I can market Wallpark. And so that's what I did. I went on Twitter, typed in the word student. This Twitter page came up called Student Problems. Contacted the owner. He had 5,000 followers. I said, meet me in York, which is between where I was and his university. I met him there. I said, Dom, drop out of university, move to Manchester. I'll give you 500 pounds a month and we'll build social media pages for students. Fortunately, Don was very persuadable, and much to his mother's dismay, um, he dropped out of university and he moved hundreds of miles to join me in Manchester building social media pages for students. And we built all of the world's largest social media pages for students. We had four million followers within six months, and we drove a million of them every single month to my website. Big success in that regard, but still we needed to work with brands in order to monetize it, because we, at this point, had very, very, very little money. The traditional model says you've got a website that's getting a lot of traffic. You put your brands on your website. That's what everyone did back then. But to me, when I looked at this from a first principles perspective, all of the attention was on social media. I was just siphoning 25% away to this website. Why couldn't I just put the brands on social media? And when I proposed this to one of, uh, the, one of the world's biggest brands, which can't, shouldn't be named at, the, at, at that time, I was literally laughed out the room. But that's where the attention was. So with my mum's words ringing in my ear, I felt I knew a better way, and I quit. Three years, some of the world's largest social media investors that had built the likes of Friends United, I quit then and there, that night after a big glass of wine, admittedly. Um, and I focused, when I was 21 years old, on going around the world and the country, rounding up every young person I could that had built big social media pages in their bedroom. And it just so happened that all of the largest social communities around topics and interest groups were created by kids. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of social media pages that we, we came across, we acquired, and most importantly, we hired the people that had built those channels. These are the biggest Harry Potter page in the world, the biggest sports page, the biggest cupcake page, you name a topic, Pomsky Dogs. 
ladies and gentlemen. Um, huge social media pages, the biggest Harry Potter page in the world, gaming pages. Sporf, which was started by an 18-year-old student in his bedroom called Nick, now has 15 million followers and a team of 10 running it. Um, student problems, that small page started by Don with 5,000 followers, is now the world's largest community of students with 10 million followers. It, does, it reaches 1.5 billion people a month alone on social media. Love travel, BeFit Motivation, biggest fitness brand, love food, social gaming. We acquired all of the world's, well, the world's top gaming um, sort of group back in 2017, which consisted of Twitch pages, Twitch, um, YouTube gaming channels, Facebook channels, Twitter channels. We went to Fremantle and we bought all of their large social footballing channels. So you'll know Full Time Devils, the Football Republic, the channel for Real Madrid, Barcelona. And with this knowledge, which we'd uh, sort of hired, that had built these big channels, and with the audience, we created two companies. Social Chain endeavours to have a transformative impact on brands that want to be and are progressive by reaching this new generation where their attention is, and Media Chain, which is one of the world's most influential new media houses, which ranked number seven at the end of last year in terms of video views um, and also in terms of engagement. We live in this era of fake news, driven by scandals like Cambridge Analytica, but also really fueled by anti-Trumpism at the very heart of it. And the, one of the real scapegoats in some regards, but also one of the real victims of this, has been Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook as, a, as an ecosystem. The interesting... Th is that a pug? <laughs> um, the interesting thing about fake news... The interesting thing about fake news is there's a lot to learn from it in terms of why and how it travels. And uh, the guiding principles are things that we use in marketing every day. Understanding how humans work from a psycho psychology perspective, their fear, their desire to conform. Emotionally leveraging culture... Um, understanding the social channels and some way of distributing the message. Some of you will know what I'm about to show you because it's, it's fairly well known now, but we wanted to show how fake news travels, so we did a little bit of fake news. I was speaking at the world's largest football conference called Soccer X. We created a player that didn't exist called Rex Seco, which is an anagram of, so of Soccer X. Here he is off Google Images. He looks a little bit like a Rex Echo. We made some graphics to make it feel real, and here's where culture and emotion come into play. At the time, all of our social uh, listening tools told us that Arsenal had the largest amount of resentment towards their manager. So we, we made him sign for Arsenal. We made him super young, really bad at scoring goals, but really, really expensive. £34 million for a 16-year-old. We pressed our magic social chain button and distributed it across media chain's assets. And within a number of minutes, thousands and thousands of people are asking questions. Who is this Rex Echo? Within, within 10 minutes, people completely believed it. We're comparing him to some of the best football players in the world. Thousands and thousands of tweets flooding in to the point where it starts to trend within 15 minutes of the message going out above um, Sarah Palin. People all across social media still coming in with a, a variety of different responses. This guy in the bottom left corner says, Rex Echo age 16 is worth 34 million and I'm not even worth a text back. This guy says, man, no one has a clue about that Rex Echo, but that wasn't necessarily true because this guy could have sworn he'd seen him play before. <laughs> Liverpool fans for you. Um, st starts, trending at number, starts trending at number five very quickly. People start discussing it over on Reddit. All of the media weigh in on the story because they need their clicks, don't they? The Metro wrote three articles about it. Sorry if you're in the audience. Um, the, the Mirror called it one of football's greatest ever hoaxes. It has 300,000 search results on Google and you can search Rexec on your phone now. And of course, the shirt of um, the 
151 million impressions on Twitter alone, global impact all around the world, and the shirt of 34 million pound Rex Echo still hangs on the wall in our office today. (laughs) Influencing in 2018 is changing though, but it still follows these sort of four core principles when we sort of create marketing and create creative ideas. If I walk into a lift and there's five people facing the back of the lift, I'm much more likely just to face the back of the lift, even if the door is there. If they're facing the left, I'm much more likely to face the left. And this has been proven and proven again in psychology studies. In hotel rooms, the most compelling message to get me to reuse my towel isn't telling me how good it is for the environment. It's telling me that 86% of other hotel guests reuse theirs, so please can I as well. And when it comes to emotionally tapping culture, we've seen one of the most inflammatory men on the planet use a moment of real social concern and xenophobia in a moment where we cared so much about ISIS to drive his message. And he delivered 17 times the reach around his ideals in the lead up to the election than Hillary Clinton. And using a number of other more indicative um, indicators, in the lead up to the election, we went to Coca-Cola and publicly said, Donald Trump will win the election. And there was a number of different sort of facets to that and why we knew that, but it was very, very clear based on his, the amount of attention he had received and also a number of social sort of indications and polls. There are a number of ways to distribute a message. I don't really want to talk about anything that's boring today, so I'm not going to talk about these kinds of things, but I'm going to talk about influencers, but not your traditional influencers. So back in 2016, every brand that contacted us wanted to work with big name influencers, Kim Kardashians. Then in 2017, the end of 2016, it all became about these YouTubers that had these big, big numbers and these sort of medium level influencers. And today there's a different type of influencer that is all the rage with the brands we work with. Probably 80% of the influencer work we now do focuses on this type of influencer, you. You are now considered an influencer to major brands, and there's good reason for that. If you look at all the studies we've conducted on why people buy stuff and what the motivation is behind their purchases, often it ranks friends rank as number one, and you are a friend. You are much more authentic than Kim Kardashian. In the case of Tom here, he has 3,000 followers. He's a student in Liverpool that supports Manchester United. If you're trying to hit students, then Tom is your man. If you're trying to hit Man United fans, working with a big name influencer is going to incur a tremendous amount of wastage. And the good thing is Tom will actually talk about your brand probably for free, probably in exchange for some kind of non-monetary gift, maybe for a discount and these kinds of things. But the problem we've always had as brands is in order for it to be effective, especially for big brands, we need a thousand Toms all at once. And working with one Tom is actually as difficult in terms of comms as working with one Wayne Rooney. So how do we scale the output without scaling the input? And this was a challenge that um, we tried to conquer when we worked with Apple Music. They wanted students to download Apple Music for students with a 50% discount code. And you've seen traditionally the student ambassador campaigns involve people running around campus with sweaters on, giving out flyers and things like that. But in a digital world, we reimagined how that could look. We created a tool called Microscale, which sent out a targeted social ad to students. They see it on their timeline, they click it, takes them through to a website which asks them three questions. Who's your favorite artist? Where do you listen to music? And how does it make you feel? If you want to redeem free Apple Music for three to six months, you click one button, and here's where my GDPR specialists start chiming in. Um, And the button basically says, can we do a post from your social media channel 
on your behalf at a time of our choosing. It shows them what the post will say, which is tailored based on those three questions, and they click yes. Redeeming free Apple Music and giving you a free shout out. Thousands and thousands and thousands of students clicked yes, very, 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 very quickly. And then we have thousands of people in a database who are students, who are, have networks full of students, all at once talk about Apple Music in their own way. And the results were tremendous. In terms of social conversation, there's been nothing like that surrounding Apple Music since then. You know, every, all of the major sort of names in marketing are now starting to understand that micro-influencers are the way forward when leveraged at scale. Campaigns we've done with the biggest fashion brands in this country and around the world, we've seen six times the sales when we leverage micro-influencers at scale. Um, and there's a way to turn any of your customers or anyone into an influencer for, for, for free. Um, and we've investigated a number of these options. You would have seen some of these options every single day. My most, one of the ones I find most interesting is what Starbucks do. By writing your name on the side of a Starbucks cup, they've earned themselves hundreds of millions in free marketing because people take a photo because it appeals to their sense of identity and their desire to be significant, and they post it to social media. And if they spell your name wrong, you're definitely going to post it to social media. <laughs> and you saw the same with the Share a Coke campaign, where that personalization, that small personalization, led to hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions of people uploading Coke to their social channels. We did a little experiment, A-B testing this with gifting, where we sent packages out to micro-influencers with about 50,000 followers. The first set of packages were blank, with a small note inside just saying thank you and check out the clothes. The second set of packages had their name written on them. And it said, lots of love, French, who was the, the collection was by French Montana. And the influencers were seven times more likely to post if we just wrote their name on the box. There's a different type of influencer again. When people think of influencers, they tend to think of people. But there are now thousands and thousands of young people in their bedroom running these small media companies around their interests. Dogs, French bulldogs, pugs. And here's a, I searched travel on Instagram, and here are thousands of communities around travel, with some with hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, run by kids in their bedroom. Leveraging these interest communities and turning them into media brands is ultimately what allowed us to create one of the most influential media companies on the, on the face of the planet in 2014. There's another type of uh, influence which is becoming incredibly appealing as well, and that's the, the introduction of live and live video across social media. The thing about live is it's not like TV in the sense that most people stumble across it. You go on Facebook here whilst, whilst I'm talking and you stumble across a video you didn't intend to watch. It's not like sitting down at 7 or 8 p.m. to watch your favorite show. So the content you create needs to be imagined through that lens. It needs to be contextually relevant, irrespective of where I land. Social Chain at the back end of last year were responsible for nine of the top 10 branded live videos in the world because of two guiding principles. The first is about that understanding of context, and that means that you have to create something which is inherently captivating, irrespective of where I land in the stream. Here's an example of how we did that for one of our brands, Boohoo. Very simple. It's a one-hour quiz that goes live on Facebook. Every 60 seconds, there's a new question across the bottom of the screen. Whoever answers that question in the comments section wins that prize, and our software automatically pulls their face, crops it within a fraction of a second, and uploads it in real time to the stream. That's the real advantage of live video now. Traditional TV, you watch. Live video, you can take part. And in the live stream, the content can change based on the audience's engagement. 
We blew up a car based on audience engagement. The more people that commented saying they wanted the car to explode, and then uh, we won the DigiDay Award last week for, for that activation. The second thing is about getting it to spread. The great thing about that quiz is every time someone comments to answer a question every 60 seconds, in the Facebook algorithm, it's telling all of their friends that John just commented. I then see a stream which is very self-explanatory. I know how to take part, I comment too, and it's inherently viral. And those streams have reached millions and millions and millions of views and millions of comments in the space of an hour. And, we, and last month, we were the first agency to figure out how you do the same thing for Instagram Live, something that no one has ever done um, before or since. Another way to influence, messenger bots. Messenger bot is becoming the new email, but open rates are alarming. And big brands like KLM are now using them to help you check in, to help you book flights. We've got brands allowing you to literally shop for stuff in Messenger bot. Lego is selling Lego. You can actually make your Lego in the Messenger bot. Katy Perry is selling tickets and interacting with her fans, again, on that personal level, to sell tickets to her concert. Mana Devora using it as a way to retarget you after you've left their website. If you leave their website, within 24 hours, you get a message saying, hey, you left this behind. Messenger marketing, again, this is where GDPR really comes into play. Um, Again, this is an incredibly personal arena to play in, so you need to be careful as a brand when you start messaging people on their WhatsApp where their friends and family are, but nobody's going to argue if Zoella messages them or their favourite influencer. And that's one way we've used Messenger in these sort of more dark social spaces to really engage on people at scale. And there are now tools that allow you to collect that data with permission and broadcast to people in a very personal way. One of the big shifts we've noticed is that brands appreciate now that they're not marketeers anymore. It's not a case of having a megaphone which you're allowed to shout down because you've got a million followers. In order to win, you have to engage. And that's why brands are doing, making this shift to becoming publishers. They're setting their teams up to have video editors in them, not marketeers anymore. How the, the platforms are changing. I wanted to touch on at least one key change in every platform that I think is important. The big one with Instagram at the moment is it's becoming shoppable. At the, at the start of last month, we noticed a feature go live within the Instagram sort of um, code, which allowed you to now shop and make the purchases within Instagram. This isn't a play that is, we've always thought was inevitable. It's just a case of timing. Instagram want to own their traffic. And here's a, a screenshot of how that will look. So this is a hairdresser's page, you'll be able to book your, your haircut on Instagram. The same will happen within the hotel industry, um, the fashion industry, and so on. So that's something to bear in mind that payments, native payments, are moving to the platform across every platform. Twitter is still the home of conversation and both reactivity. Facebook has two real significant changes to the algorithm. The first being that Mark Zuckerberg announced he's now going to start prioritizing meaningful conversation um, and content that produces you to conversate with your friends in a meaningful way, not idle scrolling on the timeline. And the second thing is they're taking on Facebook, uh, YouTube. They launched Watch, which has now been rolled out across the US. It's now just started to arrive on some devices here in um, the UK, if you update in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's basically YouTube. It's YouTube built inside Facebook. They've tried to do this in a number of different ways. My prediction is Watch will become a separate app in the same way that Messenger became a separate app. Um, and this will disrupt the uh, long-form video social market for sure. YouTube is still the home of the vlogger, I guess. They prioritize creators that produce content every day. And as a creator or a brand, you get credit for the whole streak someone goes on. So if someone lands on your cat video, let's say, and they spend an hour on the platform, the first video they landed on gets the credit in terms of the algorithm. So 
when it comes to YouTube, you want to create things that are episodic and longer and that keep people on the platform. Where I think the opportunity is, um, podcasting I think is super, super important. We've created a new company called Cast Chain, which just builds and creates podcasts. LinkedIn is still an arbitrage, giving away free reach. Musically for that younger generation, Twitch for gamers is absolutely exploding. And Facebook groups are being prioritized by, by Facebook as the new way to hold and build a community like nothing else. We have five offices around the world now. There's over a, a thousand people within the group and th about 200 within social chain alone and media chain. Some of the things we've been called in the media, we get called the Illuminati a lot. Um, some great quotes from brands that we work with, coaxing that we're the agency they admire the most and help them push their boundaries. We work with a lot of big brands all across the globe. And most importantly, me and my mum have never had a better relationship. Thank you. Thank you. Stephen Bartlett at Engage 2018. The Rex Seco fake news setup is so good and is very conveniently a wonderful segue into the final episode in this mini Engage series where we reunite all of the players in our own fake news story, namely David Walsh, the chief sports writer at the Sunday Times, and Ken Fors himself, played expertly on the day by actor Brian Torfer. You can find that episode in exactly the same place as you found this one. Hopefully, that's given you a taster of what's coming next week at Engage 2022 on Tuesday the 26th of April down at the Londoner in Leicester Square. We've still got some tickets remaining and they're all available at iabuk.com forward slash engage hyphen 2022. And as with all our events, agency and advertiser members come completely for free as our guests. Enjoy the other Engage episodes featuring Stacey Dooley and of course the Ken Falls crew and hope to see you at the Londoner next Tuesday, the 26th of April. Thanks so much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.